Welcome to TNS, the new school at Commonweal, a collaborative learning project exploring nature, culture, and consciousness. Join us now for one in a series of podcasts that document three days of workshops on the study of the Enneagram, with panels exploring the different personality types, led by Beatrice Chestnut and hosted by Michael Lerner. This episode documents the Enneagram panel for personality type 8, led by Beatrice Chestnut. So welcome to this, our first day of Enneagram panels at Commonweal. Today we'll be doing uh, three types, uh, the three types associated with the body center, sometimes called the gut center, types eight, nine, and one. One of the things that I think is uh, really interesting and unique about the Enneagram as a personality typology is that it is based in this idea that we as humans have not one, but three centers of intelligence. For instance, the MBTI based on Jung's work, it's an excellent uh, typology, one that many people benefit from and learn from. But interestingly, it focuses on cognitive functions. So one difference between the MBTI and the Enneagram is that even though we talk about thinkers and feelers in the MBTI, we're talking about cognitive functions. We're talking about the head level. When we're talking about the Enneagram, we're talking about three levels. We're talking about three centers of intelligence, three co-equal centers of intelligence. In the Western society, we tend to privilege the head, like in our education systems, uh, in the way we've evolved in terms of thinking being a prominent mode. Uh, but what the Enneagram teaches us, which I think is so important, is that uh, the head and the heart and the body are all organs of perception uh, and all ways that we process information from the outside. And that by becoming more aware of all three, we actually become more alive and more awake. Uh, and that uh, none of these three centers is more important uh, or superior or inferior to the others are all very, very important in our functioning and especially in our awakening and our consciousness. Um, so we start with the body-based types. In Gurdjieff's work, he called uh, uh, body-based types man number one. So I like to start there. Um, and uh, each of the three body types uh, is, again, centered in the body. It's a kind of uh, center of physical intelligence gut knowing, kinesthetic intelligence. Uh, and, 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 and also these three types are in some way associated with the core emotion of anger. So the three core emotions of uh, the three centers are anger, sadness, and fear. And these are the three core emotions of the human ego. And some people say, oh, well, they're negative. Well, this is the ego we're talking about here. <laughs> not that the ego is a bad thing. It's not. Uh, the personality of the ego is, uh, is important. It's, it's in some ways, in the Enneagram view, it's our teacher uh, for understanding where we are and where we need to start from and what we need to understand about ourselves in order to grow beyond that. Uh, but the, uh, but the, the, the three centers and especially the body center is an important center to understand in terms of both what it means to be a body centered person and how you approach the world more through experience, uh, than through thinking or emotion. 
Um, and these three core emotions are very important because the character kind of gets shaped around the relationship to that emotion. So it doesn't mean body types walk around all the time being angry, not at all. Um, it means that part of the way their patterns get organized and their personality is in, su in some way related to the emotion of anger. Um, and each, uh, for each center, uh, one type, there are three types in each center. One type tends to overdo that core emotion. One type tends to underdo it. <laughs> and one type's kind of in the middle. And in the body center, eights can tend to overdo anger only, only in that they have ready access to it. Uh, and sometimes they can overdo it. And part of their growth work is actually learning to feel it and use it in constructive ways. And I think eights have many things to teach us all, especially me as a two, about how to use anger in healthy ways. Uh, and, uh, and, and also... Uh, the, the nines tend to underdo it, and then the ones tend to be a little bit in conflict with it. They can usually, ones will relate to, to experiencing uh, resentment and irritation. Some ones, especially if they're new to the system, say, I don't really consider myself angry. Uh, but learning about how their anger does manifest for all three uh, is just an important part of the self-observation work and, and the growth path. So we have the benefit of having four, uh, four eights here who have all been studying the Enneagram for a while and have uh, all been uh, observing themselves and their eight patterns uh, in terms of how uh, they manifest in their daily life. Uh, so I'll be asking them some questions about how this operates from them. And um, I wanna thank them again for the gift, really, of sharing uh, their experience with us, uh, because I really do think this is one of the, the most powerful ways around learning about the, the Enneagram types. Uh, and, and so I really, really appreciate all of you for being here today and for uh, helping us understand uh, this important type. Um, starting from the far, farthest away from me, I'm just gonna start with who, introducing our panelists. We have Dawn. And we have Connie, and we have Jeanette, and we have Susanna. So thank you all for being today here today. We'll, we'll talk about the type eight generally first, and then we'll talk a little bit later about the subtype level. Um, and that's an important level uh, of the Enneagram. And the subtype is uh, the idea, for those of you who may be new to it, that in addition to the nine types, there are actually three versions of each type according to which one of three basic human instincts, well, animal instincts in, that manifest in us humans is dominant. And the three instincts are self-preservation, uh, social instinct, and one-to-one -one instinct, sometimes also called sexual instinct. Uh, we have uh, two people who are, have a social dominant instinct here today. We have two eights who have a sexual dominant instinct here today. We don't have a self-preservation eight today, so uh, that's unfortunate, but we have a very rich panel, and so I can talk a little bit about the self-preservation eight, and maybe some of, that, some of our eights here can if they also relate to that a bit. Uh, but again, it's a little slightly more advanced uh, uh, stage of learning the Enneagram is the subtype level, but it's also a really, really key component uh, because uh, it adds so much definition and nuance to how the type uh, presents. Uh, so with that, I will uh, open it up to our experts um, by just starting uh, with a question for each of you, and we can start with Susanna. Um, 
in terms of how you knew you were an eight and how you see some of the tight patterns of eight uh, showing up in your life. You're so close. <laughs> I'm not sure I like it. I like being close to you. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, I've, I've been in the Enneagram studies for, kind of like Michael, for four years, although I'm sure I haven't done the 10,000 hours or even the 4,000 hours. But uh, I first learned about the Enneagram at CIS um, during a panel, Which is actually. this, a local uh, school. It's an east-west school, California Institute of Interval Studies. Right, thank right. you. And uh, you were leading those panels, so that's mm -hmm. how I first got in touch with it. Um, and I was suddenly um, enamored because, well, it's, we all know why. Um, but um, if I think of my childhood, if I think back to my... Um, reactivity patterns. Um, definitely, when I was a child, I, I always thought that I was bigger than I was, and I thought I was very powerful, even when I was a five, six-year-old. And I would get into these horrible um, fights with my dad, um, even though I loved him so much. But he was a very um, strong-minded, stern, big eight, and um, his idea was to dictate his way around the house, and um, I was supposed to not question it and just do it. And for me, it was always, I, I would always question his, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> his word and his power. And I was attracted to the power, but I was also very upset when he wouldn't explain why right. we, should, we should do certain things. You know, let me break in here. I love what you're saying. It's such a perfect description of the early experience of the eight. I realize I haven't said a lot of detail about introducing the type because I've kind of wanted to leave it to you all. but. I will say a few things in that the, the type eight, uh, the attention tends to go to um, strength, like you're saying, and, and eights, uh, eights often get the feedback from other people that they're intimidating. Uh, and oftentimes this is surprising to eights because eights are not intending to be intimidating at all, they're just being themselves. Uh, but they tend to have a big presence, a big energetic presence. Uh, and they tend to have gotten the message early in life that um, you know, the world is divided into the weak and the strong, and they sometimes have to have a history where they had to grow up too soon or very quickly. They almost had to be stronger and bigger uh, than they actually were as a child. So I love that you're starting yeah. there. And the tension sometimes goes to, the, to power. Who has it and will they wield it fairly and justly? Uh, and so, so I think I love the way that you're starting with that. So, so what else can you tell yeah, us? Yeah, I, I remember also getting into uh, if my mom and my dad argued, I would always jump in to defend my mom, which is, mm. I mean, who does that when you're like six or seven? And, uh, you know. So there's a protective element there also. There was a big protective element, but there's, there was always also um, a lack of respect toward my mom just for not standing up for herself. And uh. so it was just conflicting uh, mm -hmm. right. emotions so around that. Sort of maybe seeing that she wasn't being strong enough and you had to be strong for her even at age six. Yes, yes. And um, I also remember, I know I've shared this with you before, but um, I don't know anyone else here who knows this story, but when I was maybe um, 12, no, I was younger than that, I was probably nine years old and my little brother was about three and a half, there was an, an incident where I, I grew up in Italy and my mom... Um, was running an errand at City Hall and it was a very hilly street. So she parked the car and 
we had a Fiat Panda at the time. Um, anyway, she uh, put the handbrake on, or she thought she did, but it failed. It was probably not put all the way up, and she went for this errand, and I started feeling in the car. What We were waiting that um, the car was actually going downhill. Mm. And um, it was very slow, but it was terrifying, and I didn't think, and I just got out of the car and started pushing the car to just stop it from going downhill because it would have been a horrible accident. And my little brother was in the back of the car um, on his car seat and was so little and I didn't know how, I didn't have enough time to basically pull him out. uh, But the sad thing is that I I guess I really thought I was big enough to hold that car and I, I did for a few minutes that felt like an eternity and then finally she rushed out and saw it and ran to us and did what she had to do to stop the car but um it's a beautiful example (laughs) i I was thinking last night what should i talk about because there are so many so many examples but this will probably depict pretty much um the power i thought i had and it was it was a it was a terrible experience in the moment it's not like i didn't feel the fear but um yeah, but you survival, also survival. but you also brought this incredibly big energy and this sense of yourself is really powerful even while you were a child. Yeah, I mean that caused a divorce, almost a divorce right then and there, mm. but it didn't happen right then. <laughs> <laughs> it lasted a few more years. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, and it sounds like you were kind of a rebel too. Yeah. Up. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I left when I was eighteen, mm-hmm. uh, moved to London. I just wanted to find out who I was. I didn't. I, I felt very. Um, constricted in in my home, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. there was a lot of control going on on my dad's mm-hmm. side. So, yeah, I did it. I moved to London. I studied. I learned English. I st- started my way abroad, and now I'm here. Been here for fourteen years, I guess. Next so, kind week. of taking on a lot of challenge, also at a young age. Yeah, and you it know? never felt like it. It, it never just felt, felt like hard. an adventure. Let's just like, go see what's mm-hmm. out there and. Um, make it happen Mm -hmm. I definitely I like what you said about the gut center or the body center because throughout my life and still now even though I've been uh, into self-awareness studies and and mindfulness and trying to recenter myself but even now I make my biggest decisions with my gut like I don't really think about it very much Mm -hmm. it's pretty instinctual right and eights move into action very quickly is that true before I know it already there so yeah. right right and that's a, I think a great yeah. way that eights body centeredness shows up is that it moves there's a lot of moving into action very quickly it's like acting before thinking is mm-hmm. that is that what it feels yeah. like and oftentimes I don't regret it either right. it's just it's right. the right decision there's a wisdom there somehow yeah mm-hmm. um and about what you said you know I like what you said about um being perceived as angry it's it's not at all what I what I feel about myself, it, there's an intensity, there's, there's, there's definitely uh, a passion and there's um, a will, but a lot of the time, uh, especially in the past, I used to be perceived as angry or just um, upset and it was just in- intensity or I didn't know how uh, to channel that energy. So it doesn't but, necessarily feel like you're angry, it more feels like there's a lot of passion or intensity yes, there. Yes, mm-hmm. like something needs to be done now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's that's a perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Really clear. Jeanette, can you tell us a little bit about how you found yourself as an eight and how you, what are the main sort of type eight aspects that you observe in yourself? 
Well, I went to New Ventures Was. Some of you may know it's a coaching school, and I was. They went around the room and they said, "You're an eight. Read the book." And <laughs> I read the book, <laughs> and um, it was like a mirror for me because you know, all my life I've been told I'm intimidating, and all my performance appraisals were smile more. You know. <laughs> Why? You know, why do you need to smile? I'm a nice person, you know. And I would introduce myself to my direct reports about, you know, at first you may be intimidated by me, but once you get to know me, you'll really like me. So give me a chance. and Because they would really be scared. Because I think one of the things for the eighth is we see ourselves as truth tellers. Truth tellers. We're very direct. And if you ask me for something, I'm always going to tell you what I like about it and maybe what could be better. Um, because that's just our way. Like, yeah, that was really good, but, you know, like if we would have made it green, I think it would have been better. And, and what I've learned through all my life was, you know, people don't necessarily um, always get constructive feedback and positive feedback because part is a fabric of a conversation. You know, if you're having um, a specific performance or a feedback conversation, then it's a little bit different, but that's just the way. I talk to everybody. I talk to my kids. I talk to my husband. So I was an adult, obviously, and pretty mature when I read it, and it looked a lot like me. We'll talk maybe a little bit later about the subtypes. There's some things that I saw were very different about me that I thought, well, maybe I'm a four because I'm a very emo I'm a sexual subtype, so I'm very emotional. Um, and um, not I think eights are emotional, but I didn't see that they were as emotional as I was. And the anger was amped up by five. So anger was always part of my nature. That was the way, you know, eights are super sensitive. You know, they talk about it with the marshmallow, like a barbed wire, marshmallow heart with barbed wire around it. And that's really true because every time, most of the time when I would get angry is I felt like someone was not respecting me or didn't like me or why am I the one who always have to do the tough things because I'm the one who's brave enough or strong enough to go out and tell people what's going on. I mean, one example is I went to Catholic schools all my life, and I was in an all-girl Catholic high school, and I'm on student council and decide we're going to do something around abortion rights, <laughs> which was not, the nuns didn't really challenge, you know, they didn't cherish that, but that was a fight, you know, so let's fight, let's rebel, let's, you know, go against the power, um, and come behind me, because I'm going to protect you. I'm strong enough to have the fight with the nun. Um, my parents didn't love that so much because when they got called, you know, like you didn't argue with an honor or a priest if you're Catholic, right? And, but I would, you know, because I felt that that was my duty to do it for others who really couldn't do it or didn't want to do it or really affected or would cry or be very upset if someone was upset with them. I think one of the other misnomers about the aid is, you know, we like challenge. So in some ways, you like the challenge I'm sorry, conflict. Um, I don't like conflict, but I'd rather be in conflict than avoid conflict. Because to me, it feels um, disingenuous. Mm -hmm. So if something's happening in the room and no one's going to say it, then it just has to be said, right? That's how mm -hmm. I feel. Maybe it doesn't, but I feel mm -hmm. like it's got to be said. It's like being direct and being a truth teller. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of times they are in conflict. Or they're the ones who are in a situation where conflict's there. Um, and that is not something you seek, but it's not something you're uncomfortable with. 
um, challenges, you know, the other things that I read about with, about the AIDS, and you know, of course, I know a lot more about it now. Is you know, I, I want to make something big happen. If if you want me to do something that's incremental, I'm not really interested in that. So it's, and the harder the better because we're going to figure it out. So for the eight, I think um, the eight will go into something that's very difficult and doesn't need to know how to do it. Mm -hmm. They'll figure it out. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. Okay. You know, because they'll find a way, because that's how you do anything difficult. The opportunity for the eight in that is the certainty, and maybe that's why I'm actually writing an essay an application, and it says, how did you know you're an eight? I'm like, oh, I know I'm an eight, and because I'm certain, because <laughs> with a question mark, with a little smiley face, because eights are certain. Yeah. I mean, we know, don't tell us. And, you know, one of the reasons I feel like we're really certain is because our guts serve us really well, So, but the, the opportunity for the eight is when they get so certain, is, you know, of course, you're not always right. A lot of times you have some intellectual intuition and it, it does serve us super well, but then you get real certain. Um, and then certainty and this impulsiveness, and again, it may be amped up more because it's sexual subtype, I, I don't know, but I'm very, very impulsive and the lust, right? To me, if I see something I like, well, I'll buy two of them. Why, why not buy a pink and a green one? I mean, you can always have more. But if I find, like, if I'm grounding myself, um, and if I wait even a half hour, I mean, online shopping's really not very good for an aide or probably for anyone. Because <laughs> you're like, mm. But I mean, like, if I could walk away from it, then I kind of don't want it so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Just, just like, I got to have it right kind now. Kind of the taking action and the impulsiveness. Right. And, and lust is the passion of eight, type eight. Right. It's kind of like expansion of things, wanting more of what feels good. Wanting more. Yeah. So if you can, you know, the, it, it's the impulse that, I mean, we bought, here's a, an example. So we were living in Switzerland for about 18 months. When we came home for the holidays, we came home from mm-hmm. November through December. And we were starting to think about coming back, and we had sold, we sold one car. We had the other car, and it was an Audi that was getting repossessed. But they, they were taking it back, right, because of the engines. We had a diesel Audi. And they said, you're not going to be able to drive this, and Audi's going to buy it back. So we knew that we had to get rid of that car. So my husband and I start looking around for cars, and um, we find this deal on this car, and I want it. And he's like, well, we'll come and buy it. We'll buy it when we come back, because we're not coming back to June. This is November. Now coming back, why well, have something sitting in the garage? Well, maybe I come back, you know, I'm for work, and I could drive it. And he's like, no. So, I, like, I get home, and I'm, you know, so I know how to control, right? Because that's, I'm always in control, and I know how to control others. Because, again, a fear for an aide is being out of control. Like, someone else is controlling me. Like, when someone told me aides need control, I'm like, that's not true. Until it was flipped, like, what if someone could control you? Well, no, absolutely not. That would be horrible. So by nature of that, I try to control everything, right? So I'm uh, really upset with him. And, you know, you're kind of really smart about how to argue with people. I'm like, I'm a woman. It's my car. I work. Why can't I have that car? And the next day, the car's in the driveway with a big bow on it because it worked, right? And now... When we're paying the car payment in Germany, I'm like, why do we buy that car? You know, we're buying this. You know, we're not even driving it for six months. And my husband's looking at me like, you gotta be kidding me. So, and he's an SP, which means he's he's very careful with things. So, 
<laughs> Self-preservation, yeah. This is kind of the, I think, the orientation for AIDS. There's kind of a, for my friends, I think there's a love affair and a hate. <laughs> Somehow, you know, there's a tolerance. Um, again, self, I have a lot of self-preservation friends, and sometimes it's just too much, this energy. like, And, and the sexual, which means I want to possess, the AIDS, a sexual AIDS wants to possess. So I don't want you to only know me. Like, if I pick you out of a crowd, you need to love me. I'm going to be the best person in your life, you know. <laughs> You're just going to be mine. And um, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And so we get really close to people, and people get really close to us because I do, again, I think an eight, and you'll talk about the two, where the two knows how to please people, but I think the eight knows a little deeper understanding about what you specifically want, particularly the, the one-on-one, and how to, how to connect with you in a very, very meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Um, because eights can be super generous. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the, I think this misnomer of, you know, eights are hard. They they are to a point um, where they have to be strong, but they're also very, they could be very kind. Yes, yes, and there's a soft interior, like you said, yeah. a lot of sensitivity underneath sort of what can look like from the outside, a tough exterior. Right. Well, yeah. unless, until you get to... Until you, until you get, get to, to know something that I feel I absolutely, you know, I have a, a really good friend who's a two and she, we're having this group and she's the leader. And I'm like, I was always the leader, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's not okay. You know, and I, I had this really reaction to it. I mean, I'm still kind of reacting to it. Like, I'm so happy for her. But I'm really not because why am I not leading that group? You know, it's hard. Um, yeah. So you really have to, you know. So it's, it was an interesting. I'm still trying to process that. Like, it feels so selfish. It feels so horrible to me to feel that way. But I just there's something about like I'm supposed to be in charge. Wow. And if I'm not in charge, what am I worth? Mm, that's really right? clear. That's my worth. Yeah, that's your power is yeah. so much of your value. So power was always important mm-hmm. to me. And when I lost it, like when I lost, left the corporate world and I lost it, I'm like, now why do people want to interact with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I don't, I can't give them something. I can't give them a contract. Mm-hmm. That's how I might be. I can't give her a contract anymore. Mm-hmm. Why is she going to even want to talk to me anymore? So there's, there's a bunch of vulnerability under there. You know, they're truly vulnerable, and and I think eights show their vulnerability to a point. Yeah. To a point. Right. And it's, I guess, you know, I can only speak for myself. There's a certain point for me where, you know, it's it gets shut down. Yeah, and I think the whole eight personality and the focus on strength can be sort of an overcompensation for not wanting to be in touch with vulnerability or not wanting to show it. Yeah. Because the fear, you know, for the eight is abandonment. Or betrayal, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I think I was telling B one time, and even my husband, it's like, I can't truly give. What if, you know? Well, he's like, I would never be unfaithful to you, never. To, but you could die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't control that. You know? <laughs> Have you thought of that? Where would I be? You know, like if I got truly dependent. Yeah. What would happen to me? So I yeah. have to be able to take care of myself in yeah. a way that's very contained. Yeah. Um, and you could push those edges, and that's kind of our lifelong work. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get more into the challenge and the growth, but I think that's a perfect introduction to there's that vulnerability inside, uh, inside but 
And then there's the protectiveness around it that we often see, but we may not see the sensitivity or the vulnerability, especially at first. Yeah. Thank you. Connie, so what's been your journey to eight and how do you see it in your life? Yeah. um, Something I've been uh, realizing in the past couple of years is I have this, so this physical feeling that's even overwhelming to me. It's almost like a fountain of energy that never dies, keeps coming out from my chest. It rises about here and it never goes away. It is exhausting. And there's nothing I can, like, I literally, if this room was cleared out, um, I could run around. If there was any kind of like a notch in the wall or something, I'd be climbing the walls, running around. Um, if there was less books there, maybe climbing the bookshelf and just running all running all over the place. Um, and so I agree with so much of what was said before, and I wanted to com- make some comments in my own particular life. So recent, I want things big. So somebody, a manager, once asked me, um, well, what would excite you? Like, you're doing so well in role. What's your next level? I say, give me, tell me that something can't be done. And if there's a, cha- there's a challenge that the organization, I work for a large company, has not been able to solve, and I will figure it out. I have complete confidence that I can figure out anything. It's not conceit. Um, and we'll talk about subtype before because I'm very highly team-oriented and I want to be in packs of people all the time. And the social subtype dominant? Yeah, social mm-hmm. subtype um, with a lot of self-press. Um, hence the fact that there's fire extinguishers mounted in every room in my house. <laughs> and my family thinks I'm nuts. Not like that, but they're commercial. Great. <laughs> not the little ones. <laughs> no, they have to be big because I'm an eight. Um, and, um, and speaking of, and this is just... Um, coincidental is I have eight dogs. You're listening to a TNS episode from day one of our Enneagram panel workshop series with Beatrice Chestnut and Michael Lerner. And we have a housekeeper, and that's where all my money goes. But um, I'm, uh, my, my son and my wife are, are nines, and I, I lo- absolutely, my best friend's a nine. I, I have friends of all, t- all different types. But um, I didn't feel like there was enough energy in the house. And although I love animals so much, I'm active in dog rescue. And by the way, um, five of the eight are, six of the eight are uh, pit bull breeds. So, and that I still could always think about, gee, if there was more square footage, and by the way, pit bulls are wonderful dogs, um, but um, if there was more square footage, or if it wasn't that literally there's something knocking into my knees all the time, that um, I would have, I would see, gee, is there more energy that could be in this space? Um, because I just love that vitality. I love, I, we have uh, one of our, um, our largest dog is this big. Uh, he's a brindle pit. He stands like this and he's so squishy. He still wants me to pick him up and carry him everywhere. <laughs> so he does two things for me. One thing is that I just dote on him because he's this big guy. We call him the alpha chicken. And um, I carried him everywhere when he was a puppy because so, he's so cute. And now he wants me to carry him everywhere and he's 115 pounds. <laughs> and uh, so I love that. And then also that being around that powerful muscular physique is very soothing for me. And being able to, uh, if I also had my way, and don't worry, I'm not going to do this to every, anybody, but I love jostling people. Not, <laughs> not, it, would, it would devastate me if I ever physically hurt anybody. But I would love to grab everybody in the room and just like 
hold you and squeeze you, and I, I very much interested in inappropriate um, <laughs> <laughs> contact. But very much, I want to, I want to like grab things. I want to run, run in things. I want to, um, I, I want to, you know, talk at the top of my lungs. Everything is, is that. So the fountain of energy is very hard. Um, and if there's any way I describe life as innate, it's teddy bear and combat boots. <laughs> so um, I love deeply. I, um, I love my employees. I love my family. I'm obsessed with my friends. And if anyone was to cut in front of an elderly person at Safeway, they probably um, have a broken neck in two seconds. I'd say, you can't do that. Don't do that. Like, or what are you doing? Like, I can jump right away into, I'm not a... Um, I'm free-spirited, but I'm not, like, random in my behavior. But um, uh, but I would absolutely, if something is not right, not fair to somebody, especially a child, animal, or an elderly person, um, that's it. In fact, if I'm in Target and there's a child being scolded, I will duck behind, like, you know, a aisle and just watch and make sure the child is being, is not going to be hurt or if it's, and I will absolutely speak up. Absolutely. Just the same as a child. I was in some furniture store and the kids were bouncing up and down on the furniture. And, um, and I just went over. I said, knock it off and sit down. <laughs> and they're not my kids. But I was like, this, has to, this is not right behavior. You know, it, it's not right. Um, and I always say that I have the triple crown. So I was, um, I'm an Enneagram 8. Um, I grew up in New York City, and I was born in the Bronx. So, so my, you know, my destiny was at some point to like break somebody's kneecaps, I guess. <laughs> but I have no plans for that. Um, don't worry. But, um, but I was there when the um, two things stick out in my mind. Where um, Susanna was talking about childhood memories, and um, as was Jeanette, and my brother was born under a mixed star. Um, and which meant he would be there like the luckiest kid in the world or things would be, and it was like really tiresome. He was an older brother, close to four years of age. And at the age of seven, um, he was going through the spurt in which things weren't working out for him socially and he was being picked on and that enraged me. I also felt the burden of, oh my God, I have an older brother. I want somebody to take care of me and now I got to take care of him for the rest of his life. I just kind of foresaw it. Um, but anyhow, I managed to create um, a booby trap, like actually engineer one in which I lured these kids. And we're talking about boys that are 11 or 12 and they absolutely fell into it. And how old were you? Um, I was about, I think I was seven. Wow. About, I was, it was, yeah. And they felt, and, and they, um, and then I had said to them, I said, don't ever bother him again. And I felt totally, I, I felt comfortable. I felt calm about it. Um, and, uh, but it would really devastate me if any if I ever hurt anybody's feelings, I'm like really upset about it. Um, if physically I ever hurt anybody, um, it would really bother me. Like I have no intention towards that. But if somebody transgresses or breaks like a code of like of rudeness, lack of social grace, they're hurting, they other, know better, people hurting other people, hurting other people, then I'm absolutely, it's like a pilot light of, and that's another sensation of like, but and then it comes and goes. So if you imagine like stormy weather, my experience, and it really startles my wife. She's like, oh my God. She's like, how could you come across that way? I'm like, 
And I'm like, oh, I'm done. Like, I'm fine. Everything's great. So it, my frustration comes in a spurt, and then it's like a clearing. It's like it's gone. The, it it's comes totally and it goes. Gone. You don't hold on to so, it. Uh, yeah, I don't mm. hold on to it. So even though I have this fountain of energy that's never ending, um, with frustration or anger, once it's expressed, it's way gone. And I've moved on, and it's clear. And I hold no, what's interesting, sometimes I see the word vengeful and ain't, and that doesn't resonate with me at all because it's done. Like I absolutely, I have um, a couple of relatives that um, didn't handle some things well and they said really rough things. And my friend's like, oh my God, you're talking to them, you're visiting them. I'm like, well, number one, they're elderly. Of course I'm going to. Number two, well, so what? So that's their own weakness as a person. And I'm stronger than that. So I move on. I move. I can move on and I don't hold grudges. Um, the other thing that I find that I do almost every Sunday um, is I work with horses. And I find that very comforting. Um, and when my instructor said to me, I'm also learning... Um, to, you know, to ride at better and better levels, said to me, what would you like? And I looked around the barn, and there was the Clydesdale mix. And I wanted the, this giant creature. And I was like, of course I can, even though I'm just learning, like, <laughs> Western reigning. I'll be able to handle that. And so I have the, speaking of, Jeanette used a great word, certainty. I have a certainty that I can handle anything, that everybody around me will be taken care of fine. And where that came in is um, I was right by, um, I worked a few blocks away from the Twin Towers during at 9-11. And um, I was uh, the manager on duty at the time. And uh, it was very early in the morning and an employee came in, she was upset. And she's like, I just saw a plane crash. And sometimes, rarely, but sometimes, one, there was one thing a few years ago in New York that a, a, small pilot, a small plane went into a high rise and a pilot had a heart attack or something like that. So I thought it was very upsetting, but I thought that was something like that. And then it started not to add up. And then um, I realized this is a, a major deal. I could hear a lot. And then the plume of smoke, maybe about halfway up in the sides of the room, started coming through and dust. And, and I was like, oh my gosh. Um, and uh, I immediately, with complete confidence, not a moment, not a moment's hesitation. I knew how to organize my employees. People started coming in to the um, storefront. I was a um, HR manager, district HR manager of a large retailer. Um, started, uh, came up to the storefront and I mean, you can tell people were male or female in some cases. They're so clouded with dust and um, cut up. I immediately knew how to organize them, how to relax them, how to organize my employees and how to manage the whole scene. We had maybe about 20 people that came in and I just knew how to do it. I had some employees that said, okay, you're going to be in charge of clothing. The people, and some people had clothes, most people had clothes on. If there, anyone has abrasions or cuts, you're in charge of first aid. And we had one phone that was working and I managed the phone line. And um, I just knew with certainty that that was, and I had our security guard go to the um, store as soon as I knew something was happening around the corner and get as many provisions as possible. So I immediately knew with certainty that I would be able to handle this. Um, yeah, it's a, that kind of gut knowing, that kind of um, moving into action, yeah. that kind of, like you're saying, sort of almost like just clarity that comes from in you and no hesitation and 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 a kind of fearlessness. Oh, and eights are also very good at creating order from disorder. 
Yes. Like you said, that's part of meeting a big challenge, like creating order, finding a way to, to help people yeah. through creating order. What really drains me as an eight, so some no-nos, um, are complaining. Um, if anyone, so uh, it, it, that will, uh, I will think um, very, um, uh, very, Murderous thoughts. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. Um, if anyone is uh, uh, complaining, so if somebody says they, they don't know how to do something, I have all the time in the world, and I feel the tremendous tenderness and kindness, and I really want to help. I really want to help people. And if somebody could know better and they're negligent, oh boy, that's like not good. Or if somebody just complains and they don't have... If somebody says, I'm lost, I'm confused, I'm overwhelmed. But if they're overwhelmed and they really don't care and it's somebody else's monkey to carry in their back, that's really bad. Um, I don't like that at all. Um, so that's not a thing that you should ever do with an eight is just complain or just say, you know, can you, can you help me is a really great thing um, for an eight to hear. But um, something about, you know, the other complaining is not good. And there may be a social subtype <clears throat> aspect for that. To yeah. you too. It's like you're you're not helping the team if you're just complaining yes. and not doing anything. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then lastly, and then I'll turn over the mic is um, uh, the other thing is talking in possibilities and talking about making big things happen and having uh, vitality is really important to me. Like, so I took my friends and family on this camping trip, and um, I, I got us three campsites um, because I wanted to make sure we had plenty of space. So having this big space is important. And um, I got, uh, you know, all the food set up. And then I had this idea, wow, let's make this whole weekend into the fact that we have a pirate colony. And I actually got like pirate flags and I got everybody this pirate and I got this treasure that I scattered all over the place. So it couldn't be just like that we're going camping and we're gonna freeze for a couple of nights and, you know, have some like hot dogs in the woods. But I made it into this whole like, adventure and this mystery thing in which we're gonna um, have be pirates that were marooned and how could we survive the weekend. So um, <laughs> thankfully people in my life play along with me. <laughs> so um, hopefully that's helpful. Yeah. Thank and we, you. And we don't very, bite. Very clear. Thank you, Connie. <laughs> right, bye. Thank you, Connie. So so Don, how did how did you see yourself as an eight and how do you see see these kinds of patterns showing up for you? Well, I certainly recognize the eightness of <clears throat> in myself of all the other uh, eights uh, observations. Uh, but at first, I thought I was a seven. Mm -hmm. uh, or at first, I thought, hey, this doesn't even make sense. I can't answer those questions. You're forcing me to make a false choice, and it's a bunch of baloney. But my, my wife uh, focused... Uh, when my son came over one time on his uh, foreness and he sat there with his jaw dropping and admitted that his no one had ever nailed me like that before <clears throat> and uh, and suddenly I could understand him and his motivations and it, it, the light went on and like oh there must be something here. So I volunteered to sit on a panel as a seven, but uh, just because I thought it was a seven, it was a, uh, I'm pretty energetic. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of stuff. <clears throat> so, um, but the, but Polly, 
Turner uh, wanted to confirm and rapidly concluded that I was not a seven, and um, partly with regard to limitation. Uh, I'm sevens, I don't want to be limited, and I have no problem. Limitation is, um, limitation defines things. Everything is defined by its limitation. And I pounded the wall and she'll see here's a wall. This is mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um so and and after that I began to look into eight and thought, Oh yeah, definitely uh definitely I'm an eight. I I, I dealt into it not on my own, my wife is very interested in the Enneagram. She helped you see the eight in you. Well, yeah, she, yeah no, she helped me get interested in the Enneagram. She she didn't really, if she did lead me, she did it in a very subtle <laughs> way, yes. which is, she uses it's that kind of skill. Yes. So. <laughs> so what she, finally convinced you that you Well, did, just I looked what, at what it. was I mean, clarifying. Is what, hmm, just everything. When I, when I, really looked at uh, the description of the eight. For instance, okay, let's start with uh, childhood. I, uh, I had a nickname in, I guess, fifth grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, uh, Mighty Mouse. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm five foot four. Uh, I was the tiniest. I was smaller than all but a few of the girls throughout my um, uh grade in high school <clears throat> and but I didn't think of myself as I don't I don't think of myself as small or weak or uh, I'm and and I'm not I'm not I'm, I'm very strong uh, and and it's not just a uh, physical strength I have a physical strength but I also have uh, kind of an inner uh, an inner strength so so strength is part of it mm-hmm. Um, leadership is part of it. I I'm, uh, find myself in positions of leadership. Uh, I'm perfectly okay with others leading if they're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. If they're not doing a good job, I might step in and um, take over. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, as an aide, I'm interested in justice. Uh, that uh, things be fair, fairness, big, big, big in my uh, uh, natal family. It's fair, and I have two brothers, and fairness is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, How do you relate to the anger piece? So anger um, arises in me quickly and passes through equally quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a matter of seconds, typically. Mm-hmm. No, no more than a. I don't know, less than a minute, and it's gone. I mean, it's not, there's nothing, no relictual resentment or or anything like that. It's just, uh, and, um, oh, let's see, vengeance <clears throat> is attributed to eights, and I, I, like you, could not relate to that, but when another Enneagram <laughs> uh, uh, class person told me, yeah, but what about schadenfreude? I said, what's schadenfreude? <clears throat> well, it's the gloating over the uh, 
demise of one's enemies or what. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> there is that. There is that. Yeah. There is that. So yeah. other eight characteristics. Cue me, I'll tell you. What about... Um, what about when other people try to control you? Kind of like what Jeanette, Jeanette was mentioning. It's just really not very possible. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the way you say that, because some people might look at you and go, he's kind of soft. There's something really sweet about you, and go, yet there's also this strength. And go I think, ahead and try it. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't really, seriously, I don't really feel like I... Am, am I controllable, my wife? Certainly, <laughs> 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 she's, she's good, yes. yes. Okay, if someone can do it, she can do it. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, but it's not easy. That's that's the main point. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I'd love to hear you each talk maybe briefly about what you see some of the strengths and gifts of being an eight, and also what are some of the challenges, especially the growth challenges or the blind spots? Do well, you want to start? Yeah, blind spots, vulnerability. Um, so I, I'm into power and strength, and you know, being strong, and and um, so where does that leave vulnerability? Right, it's not. That's not a comfortable place. That's not. It. it it's a contradiction of. I mean, vulnerability looks like weakness to me. <clears throat> it is weakness, isn't it? I mean, um, so that's that's one thing. Uh, what about a, a particular strength? Hmm? What about a particular strength or gift well, that comes from? Well, sure. I mean, um, strength itself. I mean. Strength itself. Yes. <laughs> that's yeah. Like in, in when I was written about eights, I said their superpower is superpower. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not. I haven't ever been. Uh, I've never felt stopped. Uh, well, I shouldn't say never, but it's hard to think at times. I've uh, got a forceful, big energy. Yeah, I've traveled around the world three times, and uh, you know, climb mountains in the snow, and uh, with. With, with chains for crampons and <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. It's kind of taking on a big challenge and being able to meet it. I, I, yeah, they say about AIDS, and I, I, I see it's true. Often, often wrong, but never uncertain. <laughs> <clears throat> That's great. That's perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Connie. Any, any strengths, but also in particular growth challenges? things that yeah. have helped you see about yourself that have helped you grow? So I'd say some strengths are competence. Mm -hmm. And we view things, at least I can speak for myself, is somebody competent or are they not competent? With competent being absolutely A plus wonderful in our book. Um, really, what, what I want to share with everybody, and ironically, vulnerability is really hard, but I am going to be vulnerable. Let's see how it goes. But um, there, I have a mortal wounding all the time, and that's because I really feel like there's a probability of rejection because I have so much, and it's not me myself as Connie, it's just being an eight. It's really hard. It's really hard that it could, that no matter what, I mean, if I'm sleeping, one time I was sleeping 
And my wife said, you're riling all the dogs up. I'm like, I'm sleeping. Like I was napping. <laughs> my body wasn't moving. But there's just like this energy. Um, and uh, I always think like, you know, people either, we could be an acquired taste. And that's really hurtful, especially based on my subtype being social. I want to have... I have tons of friends. I want to even have more friends, and that's usually important to me. And that's really tough. Um, and then I one one said like, eights wanna don't want to be alone. We just want to be left alone, and that's a really important distinction. Mm. We really do want other people in our lives. Um, people are important. Their feelings are important, but our energy is so strong it just kind of overrides a lot of things and it's really hard for me too to um, I have a bit of rebellion about yeah so what so I have big energy like deal with it everybody so what like why should I feel bad about it it's not like I'm doing it like to inflict something on somebody so it's it's really hard to be an eight um and it's and it's hard to know that people are kind of trying to get used to you when all you have is the interest in being having friends and making things work for other people and having other people's best interests in mind, that's really, really tough. And that's mm -hmm. really, there was a job um, uh, posting I wasn't interested in and I was talking to a colleague about it. Um, and uh, she said, it was for a new boss, it was like a senior director or something in my department. And I said, well, what do you think? You know, she goes, oh God, whatever it is, I just don't want an eight as a, a manager. <laughs> and then she's like, wait, you're yes. an eight. And I really like you. But I was like, yeah. I was like, and you just spun me for the next two weeks. Yeah. I'd be really upset. So, yes. Eights sometimes, um, and I think part of what you're saying is there's there's good parts and difficult parts to having such so much energy and be, having this big presence. Right. A lot of good stuff, you know, right. like all you've done for the world and for dogs and for, yeah. you know, the way that you come in and protect people um, and yet they're like you're saying their people respond to that energy in different ways and sometimes eights don't always know their impact but also I think you point out something really important is sometimes because eights seem so strong they actually get bullied by other people um, other people um, sort of think that they're don't have sensitivity that they can't be hurt or mm -hmm. they don't Right. understand, you know, that they're, that, you know, what's going on and can be, I think, kind of harsh with AIDS. And so I like that you gave that example because I think that's something really, really important for us to right. know. And or people want to exclude us because the energy is just too much at the time for them right. to manage. Right. And certainly part of it is everyone understanding each other more and being compassionate. But also it sounds like there, it sounds like there, let me know what you think of this. There's a growth challenge for the eight to sometimes contain the big energy. You know, yes. not that it's bad in any way, but that sometimes, it, again, all of us are sort of in the, it's almost like moderating your, your impact more consciously right. um, without, you know, again, making yourself wrong or bad right. for having that beautiful big energy. And oftentimes that big energy has a lot of heart in it. It does. You know, eights have huge hearts. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that big energy is, is like you're saying, I want to help people. I want to do challenging things to support people. Um, but but I love that you're pointing to some of these real challenges of how people can react to you and and the vulnerability that's underneath there that sometimes people can't see but is right there. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Jeanette, can you say something about again any strengths, but especially the growth challenges about the, of being an eight? So I think the strength is you know you, you could be a real catalyst for an action for any kind of change or action. 
again, we talked about, you know, I don't see that as a challenge. And I think I'll, I'll speak professionally. Professionally, it worked really well for me because you be, ACE, I think, are real politically savvy. They have power. They know where the power is. They know how to make relationships with the people in power, and they know how to get stuff done. And I think you do it in relationship. I would never be close to a leader that I didn't think was ethical. Mm-hmm. But I'm okay with as long as you know, maybe they're not as skilled as they need to be because I'm going to get stuff done in the greater good or whatever. And, and you get hard stuff done through the power structure, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think you could do that well. Um, I think that could become a gift. I think for me and the weakness, so vengeance doesn't sound foreign to me. I think it's really part of an eight. Um, because I think the anger for me, I mean, anger has been a part of my life. And I agree with what they say. I get really angry and then it's gone. But it's not gone for the person I'm angry with. This is this is the issue. Because when I'm angry, I... You know it, right? And most of the time, I'm unleashing that anger on somebody who may not be able to just walk away and say, oh, okay. Because then 15 minutes later, I feel fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, a, there's anger, and then you just kind of walk away. But aches can get really, really angry. And then there's a lot of residual around that anger, particularly as a parent. I mean, when I'm my kids are grown now, but I'm doing a lot of healing with them around this unleashing of anger, and then I'm okay, but they're really not, right? So this, this could be very, very destructive. So that's something, and even now I get angry all the time. It's, it's, it's easy for me to get angry. I've learned how to, um, I've learned, I'm better at when do I need to really articulate that? Because what happens with aid and anger sometimes, you get, again, aids could be pretty savvy is that, um, I could get really rational and and give you all the reasons why I'm angry. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. But you know you're being reprimanded and disciplined and dismissed, right? So there's this coldness that comes over AIDS when they control their anger. Um, and nobody's fooled by it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I think, is the growth pattern about how can you... I'm angry because I'm hurt. And what someone said to me with this, I'm not going to get into a lot of it, but there's a scramble for the eight where they, when they get angry, they can go to five and get real rational, right? And then they get triggered again, and then they get really rational. So it's a cycle, and the person doesn't even know what's coming at them. And what they said is, what did you do with the two? Because I was feeling that way because I was so scared. Mm-hmm. I had this conversation with my son. Mm-hmm. I was so scared that he was going to make a big life decision that we're going to have a lot of consequences for him and not good ones. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't say, I mean, she said, did you say, I'm so worried, that's why I'm so triggered. Yeah. I'm like, of course not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In my, you know, I, I wanted to be the strong, rational person. So that's the opportunity to say I'm so angry because I feel so hurt. Yeah, so that's a beautiful example of how for eights and personality, it's like the vulnerability is just not in the picture of right. their con- when in the moment, especially like you're saying under these heated circumstances. And so it's like the anger comes out, but the hurt and the worry doesn't right. get expressed. And so right. we don't know that that's part of the picture. So for the growth path for eights is putting that in the picture, putting that in the, what you communicate. It's like, I'm angry because you hurt me, right. you know? And that's often the vulnerable part. In some eights, I think, that haven't done very much work, 
that part can be very unconscious and completely denied. Like, I'm not vulnerable. You know, for, we're hearing from people who've been doing a lot of growth work who can speak to the fact that, yes, I'm angry because I'm hurt and I'm vulnerable. Uh, and, but even the people working on themselves, sometimes there are moments when that doesn't get put in the picture. And then, like you're saying, on the other side, the person is like, wow, you're really angry, but they don't know the whole story. And so the growth path is you t- filling in that whole story of what the vulnerable part is for you. You're listening to a TNS episode from day one of our Enneagram panel workshop series with Beatrice Chestnut and Michael Lerner. Yeah, and I think the other learning and then I'll um, be that I had recently was, this is why sometimes I thought, I, I knew I was in a four, but I felt very connected to the one-on-one four, or the sexual four. A lot of times I feel like a victim, like, why do I have to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, and I was talking I was talking to Nancy the other day, someone, a coach an Enneagram coach, and she was like, oh, no, eights feel like a victim. Like, why does it always have to be me? Why am I the one who has to get angry? Why am I the one that has to take care of it? I'm just sit- I'm just sleeping, you know? My kids are still they're talking about yes. 10 years. I'm like, what the heck is that about, yes. you know? So sometimes I feel like a victim, and I guess to get clear now, what of that do I own? Yeah. And what don't I own? Because I think sometimes an eight hangs on to a lot of things that they don't own, <laughs> that people put on them. Okay, you're the one who does this, that, or that. Um, and I think we kind of fall into, yeah, we tend to you know, be more strong, more powerful, more angry, more forceful. Um, so I'm trying to get clear about um, where am I standing for myself in a place of adulthood, you know, not a, a wounded child, and what of that is right and what of that is just not what is that kind of ego like mm-hmm. for me poor me why is it happening to me so mm-hmm. that that's another thing that i i think has come more conscious i've always felt like a victim but um or victimized mm-hmm. at times but i i didn't mm-hmm. connect that to the personality type before mm-hmm. right and i think it was also part of the sexual that's more in touch with sort of more emotion yeah. uh is is part of that and i think i think it's really good the way you're talking about anger the anger of the eight so clearly um and sometimes eights will say like you're saying too like eight feels anger feels like energy moving through me uh, but i also think it's i just want to put in a note of caution for all of us Sometimes eights get stereotyped as always being angry or being bad for being angry. <laughs> and first of all, anger is not bad. It's, you know, some, those of us who are afraid of anger or have a hard time with anger can sometimes see it that way. Uh, but that's us putting a value judgment on it. And I think that eight, a- anger can be a good thing. You know, it can help create boundaries. It can help uh, communicate important things. Um, however, it is part of the growth path of the eight to learn how to manage it. Um, but it's also incumbent on the rest of us not to stereotype them as always being angry. Naranjo says something that I really like. He says, you know, sometimes eights don't need to be angry. And that's partly because they do carry with them a, a certain power and presence and confidence and certainty that, that we're kind of talking about here. So, Susanna, anything you want to say about any strengths or challenges, growth challenges especially, that you've mm. that you've worked with as an eight? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy that I've... Uh, with everything that you've said so far, um, I can relate definitely. For me, one of the challenges still is, um, and I'm sure it's a lifelong process, uh, to really access fear. Mm -hmm. 
and to sit with that and to acknowledge it and accept it and it, it goes hand in hand with being vulnerable and especially in um, intimate relationships um, just to to acknowledge that there are fears for me it's really hard and fear of betrayal fear of being vulnerable fear of fear of loss you know it's just even hard to articulate it in this room it's so important, uh, yes, that you're saying that. And again, I think it's really important to know it's not that eights don't have fear. They have fear like all of us do, but a lot of the time it, it gets denied. It's not conscious. But of course, for all of us, when we have feelings that we don't allow ourselves to express or feel consciously, it gets acted out. And I think sometimes the fear gets acted out as, as an angry response. But so what you're saying is so important, though, because at a certain point, when an eight's working on themselves, it's so important for them to become conscious of the fear. And like you're saying, even in this moment, even though you've been working to, to be in touch with it, it's still hard to name in front of people. Well, yes, because then it throws you into a crisis, identity crisis. Like, then who am I if, I, if I'm mm -hmm. fearful? Then... I need to be strong and I need to be powerful. So am I becoming all mushy? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be that way. Um, so it's hard. Yes. Um, but what has helped me so much is definitely breathing and meditating and practicing gratitude. First thing in the morning, I just have to have my rituals just to keep me centered and to uh, be present to all of the emotions and all of the um, big spectrum of uh, feelings that I want to access in order to be fully awake, you know. Um, so that's, that's being hard. But also, thanks to you, <laughs> uh, I feel that a big growing edge for me has been accessing my heart um, and moving to two a lot mm. and, and, and being okay with feeling needed, which I actually never liked I I, <laughs> I I don't want to be needed I'm happy to help but on my own terms I don't want to know that someone needs me because I run away but with you it's different <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I'm able now I'm definitely growing so I'm a little confused I'm a growth challenge for you basically yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm confused <laughs> I go to two a lot lately yes. yes and I used to go to five and just retreat and isolate myself when there was a challenge or when there was a, um, a request from me I would just like run away mm -hmm. yeah so mm -hmm. um, and a strength I think for you particularly a strength mm -hmm. uh, well I feel I am powerful I, I think mm -hmm. I can get stuff done but mm -hmm. I don't know um, oh I have a big heart mm -hmm. I do I have a big heart mm -hmm. people feel that very easily yes yeah and um in uh, in uh, intimate relationships, I um, often heard, you know how people sometimes feel, they fear that they're not enough? For me, it was always I was too much. Uh, and so I'm always afraid. I always felt that I had to contain myself in order to be fully accepted and loved and, and, and wanted. Um, but no, I feel like now I have someone who's really happy with me expressing myself in every way and it's very important for me to make space though to have room in the relationship and just come back to me and just yeah mm -hmm. have my own space it sounds like self-acceptance in the way has self -acceptance been an important and self -compassion work of, of have been your bigness and your passion and your big heart 
and yeah, I think it's true for everyone, right? Whatever any type we are, of but course. Uh, yeah, definitely self acceptance and self compassion and love, self love. Those right. have been uh, medicine. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's not always it, easy to practice, but yeah, beautiful. Yeah. So um, I want to go to questions in a moment, but I wonder if each of you could say something something brief about subtype. Uh, because I know that this is a good experience panel because all of you have some experience understanding your subtype. Um, so maybe if you could tell us what your subtype is and say just a little bit about how you see that sort of putting a particular flavor on your the way eight expresses itself. Yes, well, in my case, the one-on-one -on -one sexual subtype, I think is very clear even before the type, maybe. Um, I'm all about just making the connection and going deep and, and I'll say possessing the situation a little bit, mm -hmm. even it's, the people. It, it's called possession and it's not just a person, but it's oftentimes the whole situate, the whole atmosphere, the whole yeah. situation is a good way to put it. Yeah. I was reading on your subtype description the other day that the eight, um, sexual eight, um, if, when they go to a party, they think that they're bringing the party. Like, nothing has happened until that moment. <laughs> and it made me laugh. I never really quite thought about that, but, yeah. <laughs> kind of, and and you, do bring, you do bring a certain party atmosphere with you, so, yes. Uh, well, but there has been a lot of unawareness throughout my life, throughout yeah. my life, and it's just been recent now that I can embrace this. But, um, so, yeah, the, the possessing, even... Also with my parents, with my dad, you know, I mm -hmm. I just always was daddy's girl, even though there was this love and hate relationship, mm -hmm. uh, because both were we were so strong-minded. But um, I always, still to this day, I want to be his only love, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. It's and and, and in my teaching partner and I see the sexual subtype, people are sexual dominant, is as, as having something in childhood around the mother-father-child triangle. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of a, a formative aspect. Yeah, I remember yeah. when I was uh, going through puberty, I told my mom to promise me that she would never tell my dad that I had become a woman. Wow. And I know it's weird, like, don't ever tell dad I got my period because mm -hmm. I don't want him to change his you love You still want to be me. his little girl. I want to just, wow. yeah, maintain that. Yeah. Um, to this day, I mean, I'm sure he knows. <laughs> yes, I'm sure he does. <laughs> I've never, mm. yeah. Yeah. Weird. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Jeanette, can you tell us a little bit about yeah, your subtype? I don't know if I could top that one. But, um, <laughs> I'm a sexual subtype, too. And um, when I learned about the sexual subtype, I think the eight became, I mean, I, was, I never doubted I was an eight, but there were things about it that didn't resonate with me, and I've talked about them before. So this kind of possessiveness, um, it's a little bit different. I have a social repressed, so th there's a sequencing of, of the su subtypes, which means I don't want to be the life of the party, but I want to be the center of anything I'm in. And usually I like the small. Mm -hmm. So if you're my friend, you're going to be, I want you, to, I want to be your best friend. And when I hear my friends talking about their other best friends, it really bothers me. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, what can I do to be their best friend? <laughs> you know, what are they really, you know, so it's this, there's something about it that is, you know, in, in some ways, um, I guess positive because I get really close to people and people get really close to me. But then there's always this loneliness. There's something about loneliness about that because you're never going to be everything to everybody. And trying and, and it's not like I'm trying to change myself to be that, but I want to be that. Um, 
so, and then the emotionality, you know, yeah, like if I was sad, I'd watch, I'm not a, much of a crier, but I'd watch every sad movie because I wanted to be the saddest that I could be. Right. And that's where I thought I was the four, you right. know, like why I want, I wanted to feel every emotion. And the sexual eight is the most emotional eight, they have yeah. easier access to emotion, you know, cry more easily. Yeah, I wanted to be the deepest and different, and I think that's the sexual part of the eight. And you also hear the lust in what she's talking about. I wanted to be your best friend. You know, I wanted to be really sad or watch the, all these movies because it's it's like you go big. Yeah, yeah. And I think in personal, in personal, but mostly in intimate relationships, it's it could be quite um, unproductive, right? Because you have this passion. I remember always telling my boyfriends like, you want, you like the passionate side, well, you're going to have to get the other side, which is the angry fierceness, you know, so that would be very volatile, could be super volatile until you get mature enough um, to do that. And so I think there's a lot of volunteer, and, and there's a lot of magnetism there where, you know, people were like obsessed. No, not they was talking to me or anything, but I mean, they were really very into the relationship to the point and I, I seeded that. See, I wanted that and to the point where I think the relationship's so mature, right? You have to have the everyday. For a long time, I mean, I'm like in relationships for years, but I'm married now and we've been together maybe 15 or 16 years, as long as relationship. Because I'm like, most days, like, really? Is that what you want to do? I'm out of here. You know, that would be my response. I don't want to do that. And I move on to the next thing because there's always something better. It's not enough, and that's part of the aid. And then I think you put the sexual part of it. It's just like someone does something for you, but you didn't do that too. So you know, so it's Thank so you. there's a lot of kind of energy around yeah. it being enough. It's like the two energies together. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. So now, social subtype. Um, social subtype. Um, very strong self-pres um, behind that, but social subtypes. So when I showed up here, it's like a room full of people. This is great. I'm gonna make new friends today. Um, in fact, um, when I was driving here, there was somebody unloading their kayak, but I wanted to get here early. And I said, oh, I should help him with his kayak. So I don't think, like when people are waiting at bus stops and I'm driving past, I'll check my time and see if I have time to offer them a ride to like wherever they're going. I actually know the name of everybody in my local Target um, who works like the six to like 10 shift, which is when I shop. Um, um, and um, when we made Christmas cookies, um, I actually was able to write out like all the, our FedEx office people. I was like, I knew all their names and I made that whole thing. So I think of the whole world as like, they're, people are either my friends or they're going to be my friends, and I'm sure of it. <laughs> um, in fact, I really wanted to, I saw this thing, you know, the Facebook carousel ads when you get these suggestions, and there was a snorkeling with manatees trip. And um, just by chance, um, a bunch of friends of my, and I and all of our spouses are going to Croatia together. So we're all gearing up for that soon. But I really want to get in this manatee trip. And it couldn't work out with some of my friends' schedules. And I reached out to the person. I was like, it's totally cool if I come, like, solo. And she's like, yeah, you know, totally fine. So already, like, it's a few weeks before the trip. Um, six people are, like, planning on visiting me, like, at the end of the year in Northern California. I've never even met them yet. So it gives me tremendous security. To, the word pack, um, the word I feel like when I'm in a herd of horses or a, my pack of dogs, I feel, as long as they're behaving, um, I feel really um, soothed. 
And when I work, um, if my team's all busy, that's really hard for me, especially as an extrovert, um, is that I need, I'm need i a manager of a large department and I need to make sure my employees are productive too. So I actually remove myself and I'm adjacent to them, but away, because otherwise I just would want to talk with them all day mm-hmm. and find out like what they did over the weekend and really get <laughs> how their relationships are going. So I also go yeah. down to the lobby area. We have a beautiful lobby and plants and everything like that. And just having the din of people around me is very soothing. Yeah. Very soothing. Yeah, this, having this, yeah. yeah, the social aid is a lot about friendship and protection. And it tends to be a mellower, friendly eight. Um, you know, they don't always lead with a sense of toughness. It's more like they lead with support. They like mentoring people. Yes. It's a lot about how do I help everybody else get along really well. Yeah. In fact, I created a couple of mentoring programs at my job, and especially for um, disadvantaged or um, people who come from underserved communities who are starting their careers, and that was really exciting. So very much groups and teams, and every time I have a challenge, I think, oh, let me see who else wants to join me or who mm-hmm. else may want to do this. So that's mm-hmm. very important to me. Thank you. All right. Beautiful. Very clear. Well, I must be an exception as a <clears throat> as a social aid, because um, I don't have a wide circle of friends. I, everybody, uh, I don't look for new friends mm-hmm. in every place I go. But what I where it does show up for me is in in groups, uh, classes, or or any sorts of groups where. Uh, I seem to be one of the few in the room who, who's able to see uh, who, who isn't being served. Who, mm-hmm. That somebody says something, maybe a leader says something, mm-hmm. that I say, but but wait, what about those people? Mm-hmm. And that kind of leaves them out, and you know, I wouldn't have said it that way. And mm-hmm. da, da, da. you're sensitive <clears throat> to how people get impacted. Yeah, not yeah, not just not just mm-hmm. yeah, everybody. Mm-hmm. It's like. And it's like somebody's being overlooked. I I know it, mm-hmm. like instinctually. It's not, uh, it's it's not something I have to think about, and it, and it surprises me that leaders, teachers, etc. That doesn't come natural to everybody. Mm-hmm. This this is one of the surprising things about the Enneagram is everybody's not like me. <laughs> right. <clears throat> what right. a what a concept. Beautiful. <clears throat> so. Uh, I guess that's all that's I great. have to say about Thank you so Marshall. much, Don. Well, thank you so much, for all of you. This is so enlightening. I want to turn. I want to get a couple of few questions from the audience, but first, I'd like to ask our host, Michael Lerner, if he has any comments or questions for the panel. He's got a yeah. Well, first of all, uh, I want to thank the panel. Um, this is the first panel of Enneagram I've ever heard. And so uh, I've immersed myself in the literature for three years, but it is so different to have this experience. So the learning for me of this first panel is just extraordinary. Um, uh, The second thing, uh, I reflect on myself as a five, And Beatrice, you immediately said the social five. And that, I'm still working on this, and you may be able to help me, because um, in my work life, I'm clearly a social five. But 
in my inner life, um, and people at Commonweal know this, I very much focus on one-to-one relationships. I'm, uh, uh, and if you were to ask me what gives me the energy and courage to do my work, it's one-to-one relationships. Mm-hmm. So um, Commonweal is a kind of a manifestation of an eight of a, of a, of a social five energy. Right. And there are many aspects I deeply, deeply connect to the social five, but there's also this very powerful one-on-one. So. I still don't know how the stack really works, whether it's social on top, one-to-one second, and self-pres third. Mm-hmm. Clearly, self-pres is third. Mm-hmm. But now you've said in your book that uh, fives, uh, their different types are quite monochrome in that they are like each other. Especially from the outside. Especially from the outside. Mm-hmm. So, um, but here's the place. Um, when you talk about going to eight, when I read in other people's work that I go to eight in the heart space, that made all the sense in the world to me because when I listen to the eight panel, I have so many of those qualities. It's just that I don't do anger, you know, uh, and that, um, and I don't do, um, I'm not in it for myself, you know, as a five. So it's not that I have a lust to, you know, I mean, I may have lust, but my lust is for knowledge, you know, that's what fives do. Um, But I really believe that it's the access to the eight that enables me to do commonweal. Yes. And so what I'm a little confused about is when I read that as I go to eight in the heart space and also when I read that as a five, if I'm reasonably evolved, that I pick up the high side of eight. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, then um, when I read you saying, I go to eight in the child heart space, which is about unresolved issues from childhood, and I think, okay, maybe, but why is it that going to eight seems to me like such an extraordinary source of resources for my work mm-hmm. as opposed to a regressive? return to a child heart. So that's my question yeah. for you. I think it's I think it's both. Like okay. for all of us, we can slide to that arrow against point unconsciously and mm-hmm. kind of act out stuff maybe we haven't resolved. But I also think it's a way we naturally go to to accomplish certain things in our life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I think if you're working on yourself at all, you often will go to the higher side of that point, almost just as a way of expressing yourself in the world, right. a way of being in the world. And fives will have access to eight in a certain kind of way. It's not mm-hmm. like you turn into an eight. No. It's like you get access. And I think Commonweal is such a great example of a of a five mm-hmm. and maybe a social five um, because it's a it's such a beautiful cause or set of mm-hmm. causes. Mm-hmm. Um, and and manifesting it, making it happen. You know, eights are so good at, we, we heard it so beautifully from our panel. They can make things happen mm-hmm. and you can put anything in front of them, whether you say it can't be done or, or you just challenge them to do it, they will find a way to make yeah. it happen. And I think Commonweal has such a big vision and it, it does so much and you've made it happen. Right. So I think it's a it's a nice example, potentially. And again, sometimes I think we find our story in the Enneagram. You know, some people will say, well, I I relate to this type, but I don't relate completely. Part of it is finding yourself in it. You know, the, the model is an archetype. And so it'll be like, okay, your story could be one of 
maybe a social five, maybe there's some one-to-one in there as well. Maybe that you use that in terms of making particular relationships that have helped this happen, Mm -hmm. but also a kind of energy inside that, again, all of these energies want to be expressed of, of having this vision, having the knowledge, doing the research and whatever else it takes that you do as a five, but also having this energy, this access to this big energy that we're hearing about, about making something happen and rising to a challenge. And especially even, I mean, the social five might make a little bit more sense because it's also kind of a social eight yep. thing to create this sort of right. community. So that is it true helps. that um, in order to determine your subtype, if it's not clear how the stack works, social or one-to-one on top, that it's helpful to go look at where the arrows go and see. Yes. Uh, because is it true that what it, whether you're social, sexual, or self-pres, that will also manifest in your two other points, and therefore usually, that's a way to Usually, yeah, your dominant instinct stays with you when you slide to the other points. All other things being equal, at okay. least this is, this is my theory. Yeah. Um, if, for instance, you had a parent that was maybe... You know, maybe your parent was a, if you had a sexual eight parent, maybe that makes you slide a little bit more in that direction. But my theory is that the instinct is a powerful influence. I see. Um, but I think there could be that story that there is a social eight thing going on plus a social five thing. And you hear, and I like that you're saying that you related to some of what you heard, although. Deeply. You know, what that brings up is the mm-hmm. issue of levels of awareness. Exactly. So there is this vertical dimension, right. you know, and, and so, I mean, one of the nice things about panels and what's what's great about having really good panelists is you have people who've done enough work that they can speak to both sort of the more fixated patterns mm-hmm. and the and the growth path and the and the larger awarenesses of those patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to remember there are some people who will have done work on themselves that are very healthy eight is mm-hmm. you know there's so much that's beautiful about what that person brings to the world. And then there's the unhealthy levels. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when, when a person is just more, uh, focused on their own ego needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done the divine comedy in the Enneagram. And one of the definitions of Dante's Inferno metaphorically is, is being very focused on your own ego and yeah. not having a larger sense yeah. of things beyond. Yeah. Um, so we can, we can just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So let's turn to the audience. Yes, I'd love, yeah, uh, so, yeah Marty. So there, there's a third Subgroup, if I'm understanding correctly, the oh, self-preservation, yeah. self-preservation one, eight. Is not represented yes. by this panel. Can you speak? Yeah, I'll say a very can you short, speak and a then bit about yeah, this? and then yeah. I'll have Connie say a little bit because I know she relates to self-pres. <clears throat> so self-pres eight, uh, a little bit of an eight that's a little more focused on material security. Um, uh, not so much of a big energy. Tends to be a little bit more introverted, a little bit more five-ish eight a little bit more focused on a smaller sphere, but also very focused on getting needs met and getting net needs met directly and efficiently and quickly. And not a lot of fuss, not having to communicate with a lot of people or get anyone's permission. Um, uh, a little very direct, uh, knows how to barter, barter and bargain and get a good deal. Um, may, may have abundance in their life, but still a little bit worried about if there's enough in the bank or if they're gonna be okay. Um, so a little bit less focus on power or on protection or on uh, supporting others, a little bit more on a smaller s- sphere of control uh, that's around survival and satisfaction of needs and material security. So Connie, anything you want to add to that? 
Yeah, I had shared the uh, fire extinguisher um, example. I, liter <laughs> I literally have fire extinguishers mounted in every room of the house. And um, I was when I was five, uh, the, our neighbor downstairs, um, we lived in an apartment building, fell asleep with a cigarette. And on Christmas Eve, we had to be spirited out and when the building was on fire. So I think that that is a practical mm -hmm. solution to make sure that my family's never in that. But even, um, so I have um, everything that I think about, I wanna have everything all set. So for camping, I had, I'm definitely the person who camping with. I had six coolers. We had all the meals planned out. And I have a particular thing around warmth and food. So um, I never had any kind of eating disorder except loving to eat all the time. But, um, <laughs> but I literally, for the ride here from San Mateo to here, I have um, nuts. I have oranges. And the oranges are cut so I could drive with them. Um, <laughs> I made sure I had plenty of ice cubes for my water so it could last until the very end of this panel. And I'm doing pretty good. Um, and the only thing where I'm a little bit, I just make sure I have enough in the bank so I never bounce anything, but I just don't have the time to fuss over that. So, but I got my whole circle of very close friends, like my best friend, the spouses, we're in literally a weekly discussion of where, and retirement for me is ways off, but where exactly we want to retire. And in fact, we've been able to have these discussions so much that we've narrowed down the four top places that we're going to retire together. So I not only set up, and I attune to my social nature because we're gonna all retire in the same place together. So I'll have my best friends and their husbands, who I love too, all together and we'll be all, so I have a little bit of a myth that I acknowledge that everything will be okay and we'll be all set. Um, I have my own blanket for um, the air, airline because I may be cold and that will be uncomfortable. Uh, so, um, yeah, so that's, um, that's um, definitely something. So making sure there's enough. I worry about like, so I um, host very large events in my company and at the end of it, I literally will stand by and everyone finds it cute and amusing and all that. I'm like, Oh God, I'm really worked up about this. And there'll be leftover food. And I'll literally direct people to say, please take food home. And I'll have takeout containers because I just want to make sure that everybody's going to be okay. And that's mm -hmm. so that there's a get, get to be a blend of the social mm -hmm. and the aid protection mm -hmm. and just wanting to make sure that mm -hmm. um, everything's okay. Yeah. And we can really hear the sequence there, the social yeah. and the self-pres, but that's a great way. Yeah. Again, and I, it's important not to get too hung up on just the instinct, you know, that instinct that all self-preservation dominance are worried about having enough. It, that can be true, but it changes a little bit from type to type. Um, so just as a cautionary thing, but I think right. you're expressing it very case, clearly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Any other question? Yeah. Um, I really appreciate the panel, so thank you all. Um, I learned the Enneagram in this format in the 80s, mm. and I've missed it. Yes. So um, it's been really refreshing, and I'm focused on Connie right now because your um, your family are nines, if I heard you correctly. Yeah, uh, my wife and my son. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm a self pres nine, and I was I was thinking of the wing, you know, mm -hmm. the you know, the the attraction because it's counterintuitive that a that a nine and an eight would draw together, mm -hmm. given the nines underdoing mm -hmm. the energy. Mm -hmm. But then I can see the attraction because of the vitality that the, the eight brings to the party, so to speak. So um, I don't know whether you'll address um, relationship connections or... Right, right, yeah. I, I do think eights and nines come together quite a bit. And self-pres 
nine is the most eight-ish nine, interesting. Well, now I'm thinking my husband's a nine, I mean an eight, and yes. I hadn't before interesting. at all interesting. until listening yeah. to So anything family. you want to say quickly, County, about what it's like to have, be in a relationship with a nine? It, it could, I, so I have nines who are friends, and I find them extremely, if there's two type, four, three types that I automatically attune to, I feel, are nines, twos, and fours. Fours, I love the emotional complexity. It's something for me to, like, have vitality through that emotional complexity. Um, twos, I, ju I just automatically always adore. And uh, I just, that's the best way for me to say it. And then nines are easy for me. I feel like I could just relax a bit. And it's helpful because it's like a pacing. Um, my wife and I could have a lot of bickering and a lot of struggle because she doesn't, I'm very forthright. I'm very like, this is this. I'm very definite. And I don't want to, I want her to have her own life too. But I think where we kind of came together is she's so uh, caring and so much um, into like, how can I support other people that I felt like I could, in addition to other factors, you know, a lot of mutual interest, really strong family values. I felt like I could, it was a, a good match in that way. That's just that caring. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Thank you all. Okay. I just have a question. Are you gonna talk about the arrow thing with the, with the points? Um, I can going forward, yeah. I'll just okay. briefly state it before we end since there's some interest there. Um, so eights um, go to five and two. So we've heard some of the panelists bring this up. Um, so for eights, two is the security point. So that's a point against. So that's sort of sometimes what had to be left behind in childhood is a little bit more neediness, being vulnerable, being sort of the sweet, helpful one. They had to kind of be strong. They didn't have the luxury for that. Um, and then the stress point is five. So sometimes five for eights can look like a little bit like a bunker mentality, like, okay, I'm going to withdraw and kind of get reconnoiter and get my resources to go back out and deal with what's stressful. Or like what Jeanette was saying, like, I'm going to get really rational. I'm going to be going to really give you point by point. Um, and... Uh, and, and so that's the stress, but the two, they can both really work as balancing points Two because it helps the eight go into their heart more, get more soft, um, draw on that part of themselves that is, that is very sensitive, but that they don't always show, uh, get more, um, allow themselves to be in more in touch with emotion, connect more with people, learn to be more approachable, smile more like the, like Jeanette got that, the feedback in the performance review. Um, and then again, that helps them be more in their heart. It helps them be softer. And then that manages, then they can bring that to the move to five, where when they're using it in a conscious way, it can be a little bit more like um, not acting so quickly, slowing down to think things through more deeply, maybe get more research before they take action, because there can be this temptation to be more impulsive, more excessive. Fives are more minimalistic, and what's really, what's the minimum required for this? Um, and sort of a little bit more withdrawn, taking more space for themselves, um, sort of allowing for more um, depth within themselves before they kind of go out and do something in the world or make something happen. And sometimes they're giving a lot of themselves, eights are. We can hear what they're talking about. They're like, they've got this great energy, but they're like, they're very generous. And I think sometimes five helps them kind of 
get twos and two and five helps them focus a little more on self-care because remember eight is also the core it's part of the triad of self-forgetting so when eights are working so hard in the world and meeting challenges sometimes that their own well-being can get lost uh, they may not and again it's part of not being in touch with vulnerability uh, so they can sometimes not always recognize that they need more just downtime or something like that and sometimes going to five gives them a larger perspective Thank you, Beatrice. And unfortunately, we do have to stop there. You've been listening to a TNS episode from day one of our Enneagram panel workshop series with Beatrice Chestnut and host Michael Lerner. Thank you for listening to TNS, the new school at Commonweal. The new school at Commonweal is directed by Michael Lerner. Our program coordinator is Kara Epstein. Our audio producer is Ken Adams. And our theme music is by Suzanne Ciani. Visit us online at tns.commonweal.org. That's tns.commonweal.org. Commonweal is spelled C-O-M-M-O-N-W-E-A-L. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, and Vimeo. Thanks for listening.